Hey Church of the Beloved, thanks for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. My name is Kevin Zoe and I'm the production manager here at COTV. Today's message is brought to us by Pastor Abe Lee. He is preaching from 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. So, um, last week, Pastor Clint, if you got a chance to join us, he walked us through this truth, this truth that those who understand their need for forgiveness, we can be fully known and yet fully forgiven. Those who are part of the family of God, we are together justified and we are welcomed by God because of the perfect work and the person of Jesus Christ. What I want to do this week, I want to talk about what that relationship with the perfect advocate means for us and means to us. So here's a question I have. Have you ever played a game like Taboo or Fishbowl? We just played one Fishbowl last night. And it's a game where if you're familiar with it, you need to give a clue to your team uh, so that they can guess the word that you have in your hand. And if you have ever played this game... um, have you ever had a situation where you were playing against a team or a couple where it, was, it wasn't that much fun because they would just like look at each other and would know exactly, they were so in sync with each other, they, did, they, they knew exactly what the other person was thinking. Like, I know my wife is here, she came back upstairs. If I were to look at my wife right now and say, Africa Kiwi, she would know immediately that the word is explosive diarrhea. And you would look at me and think, what in the, that makes no sense. And maybe think, I really do not want to know what that story is about. Um, I'm telling you that the level of intimacy that allows you to be so connected to another person that you just know what they're thinking. That's what John is describing in today's passage. And I'll tell you, I, I know that there are better ways, analogies uh, that would have that speak to the level of intimacy that John's talking about here and the level of intimacy that God desires of us. But I just kind of wanted to see what would happen if I actually used the word explosive diarrhea on the stage because I'm a child. I'm, I'm just a kid. Um, I'll tell you, I was pre- as I was preparing for today, I re-watched uh, the video that Pastor Clint put together at our beloved studios, which is just our guest room in our house, uh, he kicked off our sermon series, and in it he gave this, this high-level description of what this, letter that, uh, it, what this letter is about and what we would be diving into together as a church. And one of the things he mentioned uh, in this introduction to this series is this. John is really wanting the community of believers that he was writing to, he wanted them to understand that we are called to a closer intimacy with the gospel by clinging to right doctrine. And and when you do this, when you cling to right doctrine, it's going to translate into meaningful actions. In other words, orthodoxy results in orthopraxy, which is a nod to our uh, Wheaton folks here. And, And Paul wrote about this as well. He wrote this especially to his friend Timothy. Orthodoxy results in orthopraxy. Orthopraxy requires orthodoxy. And I know that these are big words, uh, very theologically sounding words, but they simply mean that we are called to actively engage in good works and live out a correct practice because of and through our faith in Christ and on his redemptive work on the cross. 
Another way to think of it is this, and this is what I want to really focus on today, is that intimacy inspires imitation. Okay? Today's passage, and again, thank you so much, Stacy, for reading that. Um, I just love how big you're getting. Uh, she's pregnant, by the way, in case you weren't aware. I'm not calling her fat. Today's passage is intended to give us, uh, help us to get to an intimacy with Jesus that results in a life that shows how we are profoundly connected to our Savior. So what I want to do is spend t- our time today unpacking these verses that was read. And we're going to start with verse 3. In verse 3, it starts by saying, this is how we know him. Verse 5 starts the same way. It says, this is how we know we are in him. And in this situation, it is not a if you know, you know kind of thing. If there's a way to know that we truly know and we are truly connected and we are truly intimate with the Savior. Verse 3, this is how we know that we are in him if we keep his commands. I'm going to flip around. Verse 5, it says, this is how we know we are in him. Whoever keeps his word truly in him, the love of God is made complete. See, our intimacy with the Son of God is obvious if we keep his commands and if we walk as he walked. Um, my wife, Suzette, and I, we were having dinner with a couple at our church, uh, Paul and Inne. And I asked permission to share this story, by the way, so we're good. But if you don't know Paul, let me introduce you. He and uh, Shelby, they are going to be transitioning into the role of leading our welcome ministry. Hannah and her husband, Michael, they've been leading that ministry since before me. They started off leading it when we, were, when we had a Wicker Park campus, and um, they dove in when we reopened after COVID to help lead that ministry here. They're not leaving the church at all. They're just taking a break from leading. Uh, and unfortunately, they're not here today, but I wanted to publicly give them a shout out, thank them both for so many years of serving in this way when we desperately needed that help. But Paul is uh, stepping in to co-lead this ministry and with Shelby, and Ine, you may have seen her once in a while. She's been up here helping lead us in worship. But regardless, Paul and Ine, we were having dinner, and, and Paul was telling me and my wife Suzette stories about his, his mentor, right? who we have to call Big Paul, uh, because Paul and his mentor Paul actually have exactly the same name. They're both Paul Kim. Such an unusual name. So I love hearing the stories that Paul shares about his mentor because as it turns out, and he's from Chicago, so it's very obvious that it would happen, I know the guy. I actually, Big Paul and I went to church together. And I didn't call him Big Paul, though. I called him, hey, Paul, what are you doing in the garbage can? Oh, I put you there because you're a big old brat. Um, (laughs) So I love hearing these stories about Paul Little Paul's stories about Big Paul because, first, I love seeing how Big Paul has grown up. And also because I love hearing in these stories the closeness of the relationship between Little and Big Paul. Because Little Paul's desire is to walk in the footsteps of Big Paul. The influence of his mentor's life's decisions, of of Big Paul's devotion to Christ, of, of Paul's devotion to family, of his trying to be excellent in his job, as he's witnessed these things, coming to know his mentor better, these have drive little Paul to want to be like his mentor. Because that intimacy inspires imitation. The intimacy that is there with his mentor, it inspires action. And we're called to have an intimacy like that with our Savior. 
And this is how I know that I have, that we have that intimacy, that, that, that I know my Savior. It's by obeying the same commands that Jesus obeys and living the same life that Jesus lives. Let's continue to unpack this passage. Because uh, John doesn't only give the positive argument. He also shows the other side, the negative side. In verse 4 and verse 6, they both start with this one phrase, the one who says, right? So verse 4, the one who says, I've come to know him, and yet does not keep his commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Verse 6, the one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Because it's not just what I do. What we do is also what we don't, right? The, the reality of our intimacy should result in a full-throated obedience. And to do otherwise is to live a lie. Now, I'll say this. If you were to pause for a moment, which I did when I was preparing this, and you think there seems to be a discrepancy, it sounds a little off, you, you wouldn't be wrong. Right? If you were to go to Paul's letter to the Romans, it says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And John himself, in this same letter, in chapter 1, John himself says uh, that if anyone says they are without sin, they are a liar. Right? And so you wouldn't be far off to think that there appears to be a bit of a discrepancy. I mean, you have to ask, how does this all sync up? Because if everyone sins... And if anyone who even claims to be without sin is a liar, then are, are we liars to say that we know God because we're sinning and we can't help it and, and, and not keep God's command? Where does that sink? I'll tell you, John, I think. I don't think he's intentionally trying to introduce a discrepancy. I think he's being a bit more poetic than anything else. And to understand this, first, let's consider what it is that we are being called to obey. And we are being called to obey the law, right? And the law of God, understand, it actually starts with grace. See, the, the I am, the creator of all things, starts off at the beginning first by picking Israel. No offense to Israel, but they are a nation. If you've ever read the Old Testament, they are people that are unbelievably unworthy, you know, Yahweh starts by rescuing this unworthy group from slavery. And then he presents the law as a response to God's grace. So the law is not a means of earning redemption. The law is our answer to our redemption. And, as you, and if you dive into the law and understand it, you see that a lot of what God calls us to obey, these actions are actions that imitate the one we are called to be intimate with. You know, over the past few weeks, and we just did it today, we do this catechism uh, that we jointly participate in with our beloved kids. And, and before I go on, I do want to say something. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but our beloved kids ministry has kind of exploded. We've quadrupled, even, yeah, quadrupled in size. It's massive. And so if you happen to know somebody, it might be you, that likes kids, not me, that has a heart and a passion to help and lead, teach our children to love God with all their hearts, soul, minds, and might. we are now officially looking to hire a new beloved kids director. So if it's you or somebody you trust, please, please have them contact us. We really would like to find somebody to help lead our children. But anyway, our catechism over the past few weeks, including today, they've been focused on reminding ourselves 
of the law, of the Ten Commandments, right? And I don't know if you can name them all, but the first is there's only one God. Don't replace uh, that one God with an idol. Remember that God's name is way too beautiful to be wasted. Uh, keep this day, the Sabbath day, holy. Honor your parents. Um, uh, don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. And the last one, don't covet because your heart matters. These are laws. And, and, and Jesus points out later that these really can be summed up into two. Love God and love those who are created in the image of God. So these laws, remember, are given as a response to God's grace so that we can imitate the one that we strive to be intimate with because the law really isn't about you or me. It's about God's desire to be intimate with you and me. So the very first thing to understand that discrepancy is that we are called to obey the law, which is our response to God's grace. The second clarification to help us understand this discrepancy, I think, is this. The call to obey, it is not a call to perfection in our lifetime. It's a call to sanctification because of our justification. I mean, it's a call for us to strive to be more like Jesus until we are actually with Jesus. See, this is not a call to meaningless machinations. It's not a call to empty words. It is not a call even to become a member of the beloved or to serve or to attend just for the sake of going through the motions. Now, the call to obey is a call to seek to live and to think like Christ lives and thinks, to, to allow the Spirit of God to transform our hearts, to transform our intentions, and to transform our priorities, not just our actions. A uh, former pastor of mine liked to say that we need to think like the red-letter Jesus and live like the black-letter Jesus. And for those of you who don't have a church background, maybe you didn't grow up in the church, there used to be this thing where, uh, the, where all the words of Jesus would be highlighted in a lot of Bibles by being printed in red, right? And so the red letters highlighted Jesus' words that more often than not would constantly challenge not only the original intended readers, but us as well, challenge our understanding and our assumptions of God's design, while at the same time, those black letters simultaneously would describe how Jesus lived his life exactly at God, as God had always intended. And John writes to us that, see, we are not called to only say that we love Jesus, we're not called to only say that we want to be intimate with our Savior. We have to live that truth inside and out by living as Christ does. We're to imitate him. We're to live as Christ lives. Again, it's not a call to perfection. It's a call to effort. Because our perfection will come when Jesus returns. Paul wrote about it in Philippians, that, that Jesus is carrying out the good work of transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit right now. And his transformation, this work is going to be done when he comes back. We are already justified in the eyes of God because of the work of our perfect advocate. And now we are being sanctified by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so John's call is for us to allow the Spirit to transform, to change us. That's what he's saying. Another way to think of it is this way. John wrote that we are to walk as Christ walked, right? But the thing is, we're not as sure-footed, we're not as clear of the path that we're following as Christ is, because Christ is in the front. He's leading the way. So sometimes, we're going to trip. We're going to fall. But the call is to get up. 
The call is to stay on this path, to not be distracted and wander off as a squirrel. To keep Christ in sight and keep going. Because it's not whether we fall, because we will. It's not how hard we get knocked down, because we will get knocked down. It's whether we get up and we continue to walk the path we've been presented. To walk the path we've been given the opportunity to travel. And that leads us to verses 7 through 11. And here, this is where we see what living as Christ lives, where you start seeing what it looks like. In verse 7, in our version that we read today, the Christian Standard Bible, it says, dear friends. Um, but if you look at other translations, by the way, the original Greek word, agape, toy, it's translated as beloved. And I, I want to make a little tangent here. When Suzanne and I, we returned back to Chicago from San Francisco a few years back, our very first visit to Church of the Beloved in Wicker Park, I remember telling her how much I love this name. Because it so truly and accurately describes who we are in the eyes of God. We are God's dearly loved. And in this simple word, agape toy, it says so much about how much John cared for the sisters and the brothers that he was writing to. He's saying, my dearly loved, my deeply cared for my my family that I would die for. Please hear me. And I mentioned this, this tangent, because this is what Pastor Clint and I are striving to communicate to you every single week, to every single one of you. Everyone here, you're our family. You are, as I like to say, family. Our friends who are family. And, And we so desperately want you to understand this truth that the Savior of the world wants you to know that because of an unfathomable, unfathomable love for you, Jesus said, I'm going to be your best friend. I'm going to be your best advocate. I'm going to give you my life so that you don't have to. Going back to this, let's continue reading. Uh, I'm going to reread verses 7 to 8. It says this, Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old command that you've had from the beginning. And the old command is the word you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. John has this habit of creating little discrepancies. I'm giving you an old command, but really it's a new command, right? And this command that is both old and new, is, and we're going to get to this, it is a call to love. But to love God, to love the image bearers of God. And this command I want to explain is both old and new, I think, because of the situation that we're in right now. If you look at John chapter 13, verse 34, it says this, I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I, Jesus, have loved you, you are also to love one another. See, this command to love has been around for uh, forever. God commanded it to Israel when he first set up the law, and then Jesus repeats it, uh, commands it to his followers during his time on earth. And what makes it new is this, is that we are on this side of the resurrection of the Son of God. What makes it new is that we are on this side of the new standard of what love looks like. See, Jesus, through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection, Jesus set a new standard for love. And that standard that Jesus set, it is to consider others more significant than yourself. It's to be willing to give your life for the sake of your sisters and brothers in Christ. Intimacy, I hope, 
and should inspire imitation. And the one that we are called to be intimate with is the Son of God. It's Jesus Christ. The, the one who looked at you and who looked at me and said, you are my dearly loved and my deeply cared for. So I'm going to pay the price for your sin with my body, with my life, and with my blood. See, the story of the gospel is about God. The gospel is God's story of how much he wants to be with you and how much he wants to be with me. How desperately he wants to dwell with each and every one of us. And he provided the means by which that could happen. By coming down as Jesus, as the son of God. To bear the weight and the cost of redemption. This is grace. Not that we deserve it. Not that we can ever earn it. But that God's love for his beloved would result in it. And this is who we're called to be intimate with. And because of this intimacy, this is where we should be inspired to action. As a response to the grace God has shown to you and to me, we are called to imitate Christ. To live as Christ lives, to walk as Christ walks. And the way Christ lives and the way Christ walks is in obedience to the command of God. So let's continue on to verse 9 to 11. It says this, The one who says he is in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light. There's no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You know, I've been going to church nearly all my life. Uh, There were a few years where the church and my faith, we were not cracked and did I use that word right, Eugene? I don't know where Eugene is. Eugene is my new Gen Z translator. He t- explained to me that cracked means good in Gen Z. So uh, we were not cracked. Other than that period of time where I was running away from God really hard, much of my life has been spent in the church. So this idea that we are, as the beloved of God, that we're supposed to love God and love each other to show that we are the beloved of God, it's really not, not that much of a... That's not new. You know, many of you might be thinking, oh, well... That's not new. I can take a nap. But, and if that's the case for you, I'm going to say awesome because I'm so glad you already know this truth. At the same time, there might be a few of you here where this call to live life as Christ lives by loving each other is new and it is challenging. It's a challenging concept. And to you, I say awesome. Hear us out. And to each group, I want you to wrap up today's message with a thought. See, intimacy with our Savior is supposed to inspire imitation of our Savior. And imitation, it is not passive, right? Imitation is the act of copying and following someone. So our intimacy with our Savior, it is intended to drive us to imitate him. To to actively do something in response to his grace and his love for each and every one of us. Now, back in the day, in the 1990s, there was this whole thing where people would wear these bracelets. Are they slapsticks? Did I get the right? Whatever they were. These, they would say WWJD, uh, What Would Jesus Do? Uh, it was based on a book that was written in the 1890s uh, called In His Steps by Charles Sheldon. Anyway, 
if you've ever seen those braces or heard that phrase, this, it might be what you're thinking right now as I speak about imitation. Asking yourself the question, you know, what would Jesus do in my situation? And I'll say that that is part of it. You know, understanding it is a, that is a call to live how Christ lives, walk how Christ walks by asking yourself, what would Jesus do in my situation? But that's not it. That's not necessarily the only thing I want you to walk away with. Because here's the thing. I, I'm not exactly sure what was going on in the church that John was writing to, you know, when he wrote this letter. But notice that the point he's emphasizing here when he talks about love is that we are called to love our sisters and our brothers, right? Love those in the family of God. So I have to wonder, were they not? Were the folks in that church that he was writing to not taking the time to welcome strangers who were walking in their midst? Were the folks in that church at that time not taking the time to check in with each other when someone had not shown up for a few weeks? Were the folks in that church at that time not actively engaging in showing the love of God to the community around them and maybe just staying home and doing their own version of watching Netflix and chilling? Is that what they were doing? Is that what we're doing? Church of the Beloved, this is actually my challenge to you today. As we become more intimate with our Savior, consider, will you please, how your heart and your hands, how your thoughts and your actions, how they need to be transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, what imitation of our Savior looks like. We've mentioned this a few times now. I'm going to say it again. Thanksgiving this weekend, which I still can't believe, um, especially since Black Friday has been going on for like a month. Um, but if you're traveling back to your hometown to spend time with your family, here's a question. How are you going to walk as Jesus walks when you're with them? Because that might be really hard. If you're not traveling away, as Pastor Clint mentioned, we are wanting to show you love by inviting you to join one of our homes. Mine is better. On Thanksgiving to feel loved by your sisters and your brothers in Christ. You just have to sign up today. We really need to know by today. Another thing to consider, Christmas is coming. Oh, again, amazing. I can't believe this year is almost over. But we're going to be starting our Advent series very soon. And as the Advent season comes, we're going to be sharing about different opportunities to show love, to imitate Christ in your heart and through your hands, through acts of service, through gifts of financial support to our partner ministries. Consider those. See, our growing intimacy with Jesus should inspire a spirit fueled imitation of the Son of God, an imitation that considers how we are called to love God with all our hearts, with all our mind, all our soul, all our might, to love the family of God, those sitting right next to you, in front of you, and behind you, to love our sisters and our brothers bonded together by the love of God. So the question I have, will you let intimacy inspire Imitation, now. Thanks for tuning in to this week's COTV Sermon Podcast. For more info or to connect with us, you can visit us online at cotv.life. God bless and have a great week.